This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back nineteen. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it. Keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out. But I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the insult. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. We're going to get into players that we are buying and selling. Of course, we're going to touch that hot stove again to discuss Anthony Richardson. Um, but before we get into all that, and we always, I think, run towards the fire, run towards the controversial subjects on this show. Um, gentlemen, I want to ask you, what's your take on being in a new city, getting an Uber, talking to the Uber dri- drivers? Do you talk to the Uber driver or do you want them to shut up? Mostly, this question came from something you tweeted a couple weeks ago or so so i want you to give us your take first i hate when uh, they try to make conversation with me what a shame i and (laughs) i love uber right It, it is a great idea and service and it helps when you're out in the town and you've had a couple too many drinks and you know you want to be safe and responsible Mm. however when i'm in a new city I want to be the one initiating conversation. There is nothing better, in my opinion, than having zero words spoken between you and an Uber driver, except for, yes, my name is X, and thank you for the ride. Just the best experience in the world. Matthew? I agree with Moxley. I mean, I just recently used one when we were up in Ohio for the expo. I left uh, left at dinner a little bit early, went to go visit some family, took a, took an Uber. Guy comes to pick us up, starts talking about what we're doing here. And you know what I did? 
I pretended like I fell asleep for the 20 minute drive over to my aunt's house. I, I am so it's, it's funny because you guys have seen me outside of the podcasting setting and we all have a good time when we're together. We got some technical difficulties with Matthew there. Um, so we will, Can you not hear me. Mock here. I, I think it's a, a Felix technical difficulty. Yeah, I'm say, like, oh, my bad. Moxley's oh. laughing at my joke. So I assume he can hear me oh. and then just laughing at my facial expression. So anyways, <laughs> my bad. I, um, I can be very outgoing when I'm in, out with people that I'm talking with or people I know. Like when it's something said, like, I just want to be left alone, man. Just leave me alone. Let me do my thing and just take me where I'm going. So I'm with, if you want to be left alone, get yourself a taxi. You're talking to another human being. You guys don't are there, even think are there Uber taxis are even human, like available anymore? Human beings. Go. I don't know. Find out. Why don't you find out when you need to get someone? And you just want somebody to shut up instead of you're getting in their car and you want them to be. Yeah, quiet. and I'm paying him to take me to a destination. The audacity of you, Chris Moxley, and you, Matt Brooding. It's astounding. I tip. Want to treat these people like human beings? I tip substantially oh, better. Oh, so do I. In that experience, by the way, fifty percent. If you just let me, uh-huh. if you just leave me alone. Oh yeah, I am a big tipper for the silent drive. Shut up. Give me a ride in your car, and take me to wherever I'm going. The audacity of these people. Um, perfect. Perf- talk about the audacity. Ride. Let's talk about the audacity of Billy Napier. Uh, Mox, I know that you have some some stuff to say about Anthony Richardson, the dynamic junior quarterback there at Florida, who's also a hot button issue. Anytime we talk about him, um, it gets a lot of engagement. And so, of course, I want to go back to the well and talk about him some more. Did not look good against South Florida, a team that you expect. He actually performed very well against them last year, kind of ran through their secondary. We thought that we'd see that again, but it wasn't the case. Um, The floor is your yours mocks on Anthony Richardson. He looked bad against South Florida and he looked bad against Kentucky the week before. He has been a subpar passer at the power five level, not even for an SEC program. He just hasn't delivered what you want to see from a player we think has dual threat ability. His only threat currently is the rushing game and he's not being utilized in it. So not only is he being neutered in the rushing game, he is also being subpar in the passing game. All these people, week one, when he beat Utah, when he really shouldn't have because Cameron rising through a pick in, at the last play of the game and in the end zone, whatever, that did all these victory laps, Bow. He's a competent passer. Why would you question his passing? I can't believe you would do that. You, y- y'all are all a bunch of idiots. This dude has been terrible against both Kentucky and South Florida. It, it, at Kentucky, okay, I, I can understand that, right? A very quality SEC defense, always coached extremely well. Stoops does a great job with that team. You don't have an excuse against South Florida. You don't have a, 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 any ability to rely on. More tackles, and this, this stat was everywhere this week, more tackles than touchdowns as a quarterback. You, can't, you cannot <laughs> defend him right now. Say it again, as a Say, it again Chris. Say it again, Chris. More tackles. Then touchdowns as a quarterback this season. So just put that in perspective. You cannot defend him as a competent passer until we see more. And everyone who is doing those vic- week one victory laps and just knocking anyone who said that it was a stupid idea that he didn't need to improve, 
should look in the mirror and figure out where their evaluation went wrong because a lot of those same people are just focusing on traits and not the ability to play the quarterback position at the highest level, which involves some ability of passing, which Anthony Richardson doesn't have when he's playing South Florida. He definitely doesn't have the NFL level. This is what I want to say about Anthony Richardson. And it's really something about Billy Napier that scared me. And I think I even mentioned it on the debate does early on is would uh, Billy Napier incorporate some of the concepts that Dan Mullen implemented when using Anthony Richardson in, in spots at Florida last year, run action, quarterback dives, mesh action, things that threaten the defense with, Anthony Richardson's athleticism. Would he apply those concepts? He is not, Billy Napier is not doing that. He's not designing runs for Anthony Richardson. Even the 50-yard run that he had against Utah in week one was a play. They ran twins on the left side. They ran them across the field. That was not a designed run. They just ran man defense, and everybody went to the right side of the field, and so he took off on the left. I think that when you're a new coach, if you had, if if you knew what you were doing, I think that you would go ask your quarterback and middle linebacker. You would go ask your quarterback, what are the ten plays that they like from the previous regime, and I would incorporate those into my offense. Dan Mullen had schemed, designed quarterback runs and passes where you didn't know what was happening with the ball. You didn't know if it was a run or a pass. And Billy Napier is not designing plays like that. He's just got uh, – he's got Anthony Richardson just running like a pro-style scheme. He had seven attempts for 20 – he had seven attempts for 24 yards. These are not – it's not on read action. This is on like just Anthony Richardson taking off when the play falls apart. That should not be the case. You look what Baltimore is doing, having like a tight end, a fullback, and a running back in the backfield, calling it exotic smash mouth. Well, that's actually what the Titans called it. But anyway, I mean, you get to what I'm saying. They are not emphasizing Anthony Richardson's strengths. They aren't. They're just kind of playing into, I think they're just playing into what the defense would want them to do. Yeah, let's keep Anthony Richardson in the pocket. Well, you don't have to because Billy Napier is doing it himself. Roll out, read option, like these these fake QB dives where the quarterback ducks his head behind the line of scrimmage and then comes back and pulls back. Uh, Lincoln Riley does that with Caleb Williams. But Billy Napier can't do it with Anthony Richardson. Billy Napier should be ashamed of himself. Ashamed with how he is using Anthony Richardson. We talked about Billy Napier's hire on this show pretty extensively when it happened. And I think the consensus, Austin isn't here, but he and I were both very adamant that this was a bad hire. Like it was not a good hire. Schematically, yeah. Like, listen, I, I, I think he can build a program, but as far as utilizing a weapon like Anthony Richardson, we got no, we had no evidence of him being able to do that with Levi Lewis there at at UL, and it's, it, I mean, it's, it's apparent that he's not going to, he's going to use them similarly to how he used Levi Lewis. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean. I think it's a lot of things. I definitely think Billy Napier is some of the blame here. I also think Richardson needs to take some of the blame as well. I mean, Felix, you are able to look at this stuff from a much different perspective than any of us can. I think his footwork is messed up. Consistency is not there. You know, 
Could it be the play calling? 100%. I'm not in the Florida locker room. I'm not on that staff. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't see necessarily some of the things that you are able to see, Felix, with your background. So you could tell me better than that. Where but you I, understand that Jared Goff is used totally differently yes. than Lamar Jackson. Like right. that's what yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is Billy Napier is using Anthony Richardson like Jared Goff, like fucking uh I don't even cuss but on this show. This is how how upset like some sort of drop back passer. That's kind of my thing though. It's like I know Mox just mentioned him in Austin. I brought up and it may I don't remember if you guys you not necessarily criticize me, but I said I was worried about what he was going to be able to do with Richardson because he never did anything with Lewis. And I understand Richardson is by far has much better traits and tools than him. But if you look at what he was able to do, they never did anything. So I just went and looked just for the hell of it. They never had a pass success rate of more than 50% at UL. UL, guys. This is not a Sunbelt team that they, they were supposedly dominating and he had the best team there. Never above that. His, That's really bad, by the way. For, yeah, exactly. For, for people who aren't familiar with that stat, a passing success rate below 50% is like really bad. <laughs> and so I, I'll be a hundred percent transparent. I asked Moxley this cause I don't necessarily always know what these, some of these advanced metrics are. Their offensive pass explosiveness. The best they ever had was a 1.8 with the Raging Cajuns back in 2018, the rest of the time, it's been right around the 1.5 mark, which based on Jarek's scale is the worst that you can have on this scale, which Moxley says is a weighted value based on EPA. And that was with Lewis. So why did anybody think him coming here was going to change Anthony Richardson? When Ant It's not like we came in here and Anthony Richardson was even close to a passer of what Lamar was at Louisville. He wasn't. And people expected him to come in and, oh, he's going to develop those tools. He's going to develop those traits and turn him into something he's not currently. And I told you guys this was not going to happen. Mox and Austin agreed. I don't remember where you stood on the I'm not saying that you disagree with this. But we all tried to tell everybody not going to happen. And it's not happening. And I do want I, I do wonder if the injury is some of it. We talked a little bit about this on College Fantasy Night. He did come up lame on one of those slides. Looked like his ankle was bothering. Maybe that's why they're not running him. I don't know. But I, I don't think Billy Napier is the guy who's going to turn Anthony Richardson into Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson because he's never shown us the ability to even do something close to that. The All right, it sounds like we agree. It sounds like we agree. 100% of this, of this fault lies on Billy Napier, not on Anthony Richardson. Billy By Napier the way, should be ashamed of himself. It's his fault, and he got me to cuss for the first time in what, two? since November 2020 on this show. Yes, you've cussed before, though, more likely at me. Colin, if you're listening to this, we just, just got Felix to agree with me, baby. He said it was never going to happen. It just it just did. So You said in our Slack channel that you will never agree with me. You just did. It's a great day. Because great day audience, to be alive. The audience great day to be Felix Slack is cussing. Channel. Felix is cussing. He's agreeing with um, Matt. It's a great day. Great day on Debbie debate. Mox, I didn't want to cut you off. Were you going to add something before we move on here? The only thing that I was going to say was, oh my God, Billy Napier's hire after playing like a bottom five schedule at Louisiana and going up to Florida and not recruiting well at Louisiana either, by the way, having a subpar offense, going 10 and two every year against, again, a bottom five schedule. If I was a Florida fan, I still wouldn't feel that good about the hire that we made. I'm just throwing that back out there. I, not to be a hater, but. 
Like you can't feel that great about where you're at with Billy Napier right now. My, my understanding is that my understanding that the locker room that Dan Dan Mullen had lost the locker room. And yeah, the, absolutely. However, but schematically, schematically, much better. much much better, much better play caller, much better play designer. Um, I don't think anybody except for Noah Hills was talking about Evan Hall before the season saying that this is a potential NFL prospect. I know that we weren't here. He's going to get day two draft capital. Don't you think he's five eleven and 10 pounds. He catches the ball. And when you look at the 2023 draft class, you got Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans. I think that you can start considering Evan Hall after those three, Sean Tucker, Blake Quorum, Devin Achain, Kendall Milton, you could consider him to be a second or third round draft pick. And I mean, is that, that's not ridiculous. You want me to make another tattoo bet? Cause I'm willing to do it right now. I mean, I if Evan Holt goes one. round two in the NFL draft. I said, so you're saying round two. Uh, okay, go ahead. I will get a Northwestern tattoo, like their logo tattooed on me. I don't think that he's going to go day two, or excuse me, second round. Because I don't think he's going to go second round either. I, I would be surprised if he went third round. He's he's a fourth year he's a fourth year guy. Like it's not th- this is his first opportunity matter, to though. really make it big. Yeah, but he's at Northwestern too. Like that's another aspect. It's not like he's producing at a major program. I I just I'm like I am skeptical of Sean Tucker as well. So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about this. But these guys that produce high. And statistics at a program that isn't like super impressive always scares me a little bit. Let's talk about the things that could elevate his draft capital, though. He has the requisite size. He is a pass catcher. And I wish we had, um, I don't have a clock on him as far as miles per hour, but he looks relatively athletic. He he hits 20 plus, I think. Which is 20 plus. I mean, would you rather have? Okay, let's let's ask this question, then. Uh, Matt. Would you rather have Evan Hall or Kendall Milton? Oh, Hall, easily. I mean, I'm actually on Evan your Hull. side. I'm I'm against Hull. Moxley here on this. I just look at just look Wait, at. Let me go. Weight. Let me go through the yeah, name the these Tucker. names real quick, and then you make your point. Evan Hall or Sean Sean Tucker? That's close, but I think I would take Hall. Evan Hall or Blake Horn? Hall. Devin Hall or Devin Ochain? Hall. And big wide receiver guy has him at 20.5 miles per hour. That's oh, right. Yeah, he's it. almost at that 21 mile per hour threshold. Um, Devin Hall or Lou Nichols? Oh, Hall. Um, I mean, that's this is the 20. That's, oh, those are all 2023 draft class names. So go ahead. We'll see what you're going to say. So I can post this on Twitter. I have pulled up their adjusted dominator rating just because I was curious when I knew we were going to talk about this. Well, He's got the third best behind Bijan Robinson and Devin Achain. And like that was surprising to me to see that. I don't think Achain has a chance to be a full a workhorse back at the end. I think he's we've talked a lot about him and I don't want to dive do, too deep into that him and him and Deuce Robinson. He's got the size as you mentioned, but I think the pass catching part of it is the big part for him. He is a good pass catcher. I understand what Moxie's saying playing at Northwestern, but he's going to get a chance to go up against good teams. If he goes up against a Penn State and plays well, if he goes up against a Michigan and plays well, if he goes up against an Ohio State 
and plays well, I think that it is going to help him. We've seen that these NFL teams want these committee backs, and I think that he can play very well in a committee. I think the only thing that hurts him why he may not get day two draft capital is because I think this class is really coming around to be a very good running back class. That's the part that worries me because you've got – like, just looking at it, I wrote down a bunch of names I think could possibly go day two based on the rest of the year. Bijan, I think, is probably locked into it, if not early round two, a round one draft capital guy. Zach Evans, I think, definitely goes ahead of him. Jameer Gibbs probably goes ahead of him, I think, because of just what he can do as a receiver. But then you mentioned you got Tank, you got Tucker, you got Milton, you got EJ Smith, who's kind of come on. You got Devin Achen, you got Tavian Thomas, who some people like. You got Raymond Davis, who's having a good year. Like, there's a lot of interesting running backs in this class. I don't know if all those guys jump Evan Hull, but I think because of the depth of this class, that may push him down the board a little bit. But I do think he has got a shot to go day two because of the receiving is he, upside. Is he going to get pushed down the board because he's white? He's a white guy. Should, I, this is what oh I'm man. thinking. Should he throw his hair out and have it braided so he can go to the combine and confuse the coaches. No, he's because like, what what because the typical stereotype that'll be thrown him is that he's a hard worker. You know, he's first guy in, last guy out mentality. You know, he's a you know just a, he's a locker room guy. I feel like all those monikers will be thrown on him if he goes out to the Senior Bowl and just dominates, which I think he will. Let us know at campus to Canton whether or not Evan Hall needs to braid his hair to increase his draft stock. At campus to Canton on Twitter, another player who could potentially or is potentially seeing his draft stock um, uh, on the rise this season is Michael Penix Jr. He is top 20 in pass grade, second in the country in passing yardage. And the type of throws that he's making, I I think that they're NFL throws down the field. He can do the low trajectory throw that doesn't go you know anywhere above um, uh, t- 10 yards high, but travels 15 yards down the field. We always knew that he had kind of a, a, a good left hand, uh, uh, good left hand on him. I don't know if it's day one, but can you see a team taking a chance on him on the second day in the second round, saying, "Hey, if this guy's healthy, he could spin it. He could potentially be a starter for us." I think I, I've always, if listen, if he had four years of Kalen DeBoer, four years of health, I think it would be a no brainer that this guy, yeah, he's. Potential first round NFL draft pick. Can he get some of that back with this last season at Washington? Maybe a team takes a, a chance on him in the second round. So I thought so until Chris K called him the arm punter, and now I can't get that out of my head <laughs> <laughs> on, on campus life. No, I do think he's got a very strong arm. I actually think that it helps him that he's doing it at Washington too because that is a school that I think people will look favorably upon. If he was still doing it at Indiana, maybe that wouldn't look as good. I agree with you on the Kalen DeBoer thing. He's he's going to help him produce as long as he stays healthy. The biggest reason why I do think someone could take a shot on him is there is nobody in this class. I said it on Twitter the other day. Just, just talked about it with Colin, actually. Outside of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, I have no... I'm that excited. I knocked my mic over. I have no faith in any of these other quarterbacks to step up and do anything right now. I think this is a very (laughs) bad quarterback class, to be honest with you. So would I be surprised if a guy like Michael Penix gets drafted in the second round? No, we saw Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis go in the high third. I think he's better than Malik Willis. He's better than Malik Willis. I agree. I think he's got a better arm than Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter. Now, may not have the. 
he may not have the the rushing upside that those two guys do, but I think he does have a better arm. So could I see an NFL team going and taking like a I'll use Seattle. Could Seattle get Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency and then take a Michael Penix in the second or third round to groom to possibly be their guy in the future? Yes, I could. But he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to continue to show us because that's been the biggest knock on him is the consistency and the injury history. We are being correct in the chat saying that uh, Evan Hall is not white. Any evidence on that point, sir? He Nelson, might be half. Michael he might Nelly be half. Nelson. Half white, half white. So he's like, we, we're gonna invest. We're gonna investigate the the investigation. This is not. Listen, if Austin was here, he would be moving us along on this one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Listen, what do you think about? I pulled up his uh, Evan Hull's pick on um, on the Northwestern site. I the Northwestern site. I, I just, you know, racially ambiguous. What's, How about that? Yeah, but, he's got to uh, go to the combine with cornrows. Uh, he has Braves. apparently cornrows on his twenty four seven profile page. So according to Noah okay, Hills, and perfect. Noah would know. So Mox, he, Michael Penix Jr. Set up yet? Um, he's not going to go in the second round. Y'all are, y'all are wild. I, I just I have no idea where that's coming from. I think that he is a third late third rounder at best. I mean, I think he's gonna go day three, to be honest. Like he's just a way too questionable decision maker to I think end up there. And he's been way too injured as well. So can I ask you something on that, Mox? You can ask me whatever you want. Who's a better decision maker, Michael Penix or Malik Willis? Um, they're both bad decision makers, but in different ways. But if you had to, if one, if you were standing next to one of them, you had to trust one of them to make the right decision. Would you trust Michael Penix or would you try to trust Malik Willis? If I had to run one play with one, one play. of them, yeah, it would be Malik Willis because I think Malik okay. Willis is a slightly better athlete, and I think that he has oh, a he's slightly a lot, better he's a lot arm. Better, yeah. He um, might have the yeah. Um, as far as like throw, if you're going to throw the ball from the one yard line and 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 toss it, I, I think he has a better arm. But we've seen Michael Penix Jr. in pressure situations take that Ohio State game, Matthew, that Ohio State game in 2020, the the Penn State game that season where he is throwing the ball downfield while he's getting hit in the mouth. He's a tough kid, and uh, you know I wouldn't bet against him at the NFL level. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh. Everybody calm down. Calm down. Let's uh let's get this train back on the rails here. Let's talk about players that we are buying and selling. I want to start at the running back position here. I will go with the two that I am buying at the running back position. One is Quinshawn Jenkins and Matthew. You were, you were right there with him all along. There are these kids that like, how is he a three-star? When we've got him, you know, he Tested athletically great, at least on the field, what we had. And then his running style, this where he can run away from you, he can stiff arm you, he can put it low his shoulder into you. I don't understand um, how he was a star prospect. And he's, it seems like he's surpassed Ulysses Bentley at Old Miss as the number two, which we heard coming out of camp. He's a three-star prospect that we didn't understand how he's a three-star prospect. He was the number one running back for our analytics. 
but but uh, he and Andrew Paul, like how are these guys who have the requisite size, athleticism, et cetera, how are they um, uh, uh, three-star prospects? Anyway, he is one that I am buying. If you can go trade for him with someone who doesn't listen to Campus to Can content, you might be able to get him. He might even be able he, he might even be on the waiver wire in some places in some leagues. The other thing, the other player that I would go to is Cartavius Norton. Now, this is a buy because uh, he has been injured the last couple of weeks, hamstring injury uh, in that first game. Um, but he was absolutely either the number one running back or sharing the the workload with uh, Jareel Brock. And he is big. He looks like a violent runner uh, who keeps his legs churning. I think he's going to be someone who is difficult to tackle. Don't wait until he gets healthy to go acquire Cartavius Norton, who had like no ADP early on in the offseason. Then offseason talked him up. His ADP shot up. But he looked good in that first game. And a lot of people watched that first game against Southeast Missouri because there are other you know games on. You haven't seen him on the on the in the box in the box score the last couple of weeks because he has been injured. But I'm telling you that coaching staff had a plan for him. He was going to be right there with Jarrell Brock taking the majority of the shares. So I would trade for him. Um, all right, uh, Moxley. Let's go to your two running backs. Yeah, I was skeptical on Raheem Sanders. I'm all in at this point. Just. No reason to be skeptical. I think he's showing that he can run between the tackles and he's an elite receiver. Um, his first few weeks have been dynamite. I, I was wrong on him. I was very skeptical. I am just all in because I think he's a fantastic athlete as well. Very much buying him in leagues. Uh, I think he has a legitimate shot to be the RB2 in his respective draft class over Braylon Allen. I'm also buying freshman Katron Allen. So all of the hype Ooh. is currently on Nicholas Singleton, and justifiably so, right? This was a guy who had the fastest recorded ball carrier time among um, all 2025 running backs, uh, you know, according to big wide receiver guy and uh, David who works with us. But I'm still, I'm still in on him, man. He looks really good as well. Like they might have two very solid running backs. He had two touchdowns this week. I really like what he shows between the tackles. I think that his vision is pretty top notch, honestly. Like I, I he looks ready to play at a collegiate level. And I, I didn't think that both of them were gonna be ready, but it seems like they might be. And, and so I'm really interested in buying Katron Allen at a discount considering how much hype Nick Singleton is currently getting. I like it. Uh my I like it too. I I'll, let me just add. I said that last – I said we are dealing with the Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams situation here where one <laughs> player is getting all the hype and is overshadowing this other one. So I just want to point that out. The other, Well, go ahead, Matthew. There's another thing that I forgot to point out that I need to bring up later on. Okay. Uh, two guys that I, I was touting this offseason that I'm still going out and buying is – unfortunately, uh, Felix mentioned one of them, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, but also Raymond Davis. Like – I've been a fan of his since he was a had a great freshman year at Temple. Almost broke it it's down. Ray, by the way. Yeah, sorry, it's Ray. Ray. Davis. I'm sorry. It is Ray Davis now. I apologize. Um, almost broke a thousand all-purpose yards in receiving and rushing. I had a chance to talk to him after that season, and he specifically mentioned he wanted to improve on receiving and making players miss when he's running the ball. 
suffered, unfortunately, two years of injuries. Leaves Temple early, deals with an injury. Last year, an injury as well. This year, he's a top five back in receptions right now. He made a beautiful catch from A.J. Swan last week in the end zone. I think he's showing us that he can be a much better receiver than what we thought he could be. He's a top five back in missed force tackles so far this season. He's a top back in rushing yards on a bad Vanderbilt team, too, might I add. Like, granted, they, they've gotten three wins, uh, and they have played some weaker competition, but I think he is showing us that he's a much better back than we have given him credit for. Even Noah Hills, who's in the comments, didn't really know what to do with him. He liked him, but he didn't love him. He didn't hate him. He didn't really know what to do with him because we haven't seen enough from him. I think he's showing us what he could be. I think he gets drafted this year. He, he's a guy that I would buy because he's also putting up a bunch of fantasy points for you right now on your CFF side. Again, Felix mentioned Quinn Sean, so I'll just kind of really quickly touch on that. He's the second running back on the team, yet he's top 30 in yards right now. He's a top yards after contact guy. He's a top, I think, top 10 in missed force tackles right now. Like, Quinshaw Judkins is going to be an absolute stud once Zach Evans goes to the NFL this year. And the even better part, one of the best parts about his game coming out of high school, the reason I had him so high, he can line up in the slot and outside and did that in high school. Very good receiver, and they have not used him that way at all right now at Ole Miss. Once they start incorporating that part in his game, I think he is going to be an absolutely amazing player on the college side, and he has the size, speed, to be an NFL draft guy as well. Let's, so we both, we did not know who each other was picking tonight. So this is all blind and we both picked Quinshawn. Quinshawn, what, what, where do you have him ranked, Matthew? Do you know off the top of your head? Now I think he's amongst running backs. RB 17, maybe. Yeah, I have him in the top 20. I have him in the top 15 now. So, um, yeah, definitely investing in Quinshawn Judkins. And, I mean, he's in a good system there at Ole Miss. Moving on here to yeah, wide 17, receiver. Yeah, literally 17. I think I, have, think I have about 11 or something um, like that. I don't hate it. Um, moving – you know who else had a good game with that I didn't mention early on in that Florida-UCF game? Brian Bate, over 150 yards rushing. Somebody that I've been talking about, that little Mighty Mouse running back. Brian Bate, who's had two 100-yard uh, rushing games this season, one of the smallest players in in FBS, but an explosive player. I got receipts. I got receipts on Brian Bate. Moving on here to wide receivers that I'm buying. Now, look, listen, I'm, I'm going to say Josh Downs here, but I'm going to say Josh Downs for this reason. Uh, I don't think that he's just a small little slot receiver. I think that he is going to test very – he already tested very well coming into college. I think that he could potentially test well um, going into the NFL combine. And I think that the NFL missed on Tyler Lockett. I think that Josh Downs is a more versatile version of Tyler Lockett. I think that, yes, he can play the vertical game, but – we saw it in the game against uh, FAU. There was a touchdown. He ran a whip route and completely lost his cornerback, and um, uh, uh, it would have been it would have been a touchdown. He can play in the slot. I think that he can play outside. He is what I wanted uh, Mario Williams to be, and then his ability to go up and get the ball at that size. You know, five nine, five ten, whatever it is. Now I'm not saying you're going to use him in the end zone, but UNC is. That's how much trust that they have in him. I just think that he is might 
he might be drafted in the late first round. And so, you know, if I have a more highly touted freshman, if I've got, I don't know, Luther Burden on my roster and I could trade him for Josh Downs, which you might be able to do given the hype of somebody like Luther Burden, I might, I might do that. Cause I think that Josh Downs is a potential first round NFL traffic. The other one is, and I don't feel great about this, but it's Jojo Earl who has been injured. Now I've been all over the place with Jojo Earl. He was somebody I was fading early on, but now his value is taking a dip with his injury, but they need some, dynamic playmaking ability uh, for that Alabama offense. Kobe Prentice has been starting in the slot, but he hasn't been dynamic. Neither is Jermaine Burton, who we thought was going to be, you know, replicate what Jamison Williams did last year for that team. JoJo Earl is the wild card. Now remember, remember last year before he got hurt last year, he was returning punts. He was in front of those two, uh, those two other two highly touted freshmen in, in Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall. He, even though he wasn't there in the spring last year, he he came in and commanded slot targets, took away uh, slot targets and slot, slot snaps from the upperclassman Slade Bolden. Slade Bolden actually had another year of eligibility left, and he wasn't like he went to the NFL. I think that he went to the NFL because it was made known to him that it was JoJo Earl's turn. That Alabama offense hasn't been great. JoJo Earl hasn't been there. I think. I think that he could be a buy if, and his value's taking a dip. So it can only it can only go up from here once he gets healthy, gets over that foot injury, and provides often some of the explosiveness that needs. I am buying JoJo Earl at wide at the wide receiver position and Josh Downs, who's who, you know, I, it reminds me somewhat in uh, of Elijah Moore and how versatile he could be, Chris Moxley. I like the uh, the downs call. I feel like he's he. The concern about his size is legit, but not legit enough considering what he brings to the table, in my opinion. So, I'm not going to argue with that one. Uh, I have a good amount of him because I believe in him for the same reasons. I got two buys, and they're both high end prospects, but they're guys that I am buying at a premium. Ameka Egbuka the number one wide receiver in his class, respectively, kind of didn't get as much hype given what we saw from Marvin Harrison and that big game against Utah at the end of the season where he had three touchdowns. But Buka has been awesome. Like, seriously awesome. He's had three games over 90 yards, including one against Notre Dame, and has just killed it, basically. He is still competing a little bit with like Julian Fleming and they're having a whole little, oh, you know, he's doing things, but he's legit. I'm not concerned about him. I think he is a 2024 first round receiver for the Buckeyes. I am not concerned and I am trying to buy him at a premium regardless of what it's going to cost me. Probably. I think that he probably deserves to be ranked up in that upper tier. So I am in on Egg I am also treating Jordan Addison as a in the same tier as Jackson Smith and Jigba and Keishan Butte. And maybe I don't want to say in the top of that tier. I'm not there yet. I've seen a lot of people who are treating him as a wide receiver one. I'm not quite there yet, but I am treating him as an upper level receiver in that tier. 
I think that he, I wouldn't take him over JSN or Butte yet. I, I think there's a lot of situate situational um, issues involved in, in, in both of those players that are, are pushing them down boards when they shouldn't be. But I'm treating Jordan Addison as if he's in that tier. I think, I think we talked about him on the better sports network on Saturday. You know, we're live there at eight to 10 every Saturday. But last weekend, I think I talked about him and how he's being comped to Calvin Ridley. I don't think that's a bad comp. It's a pretty interesting comp. And I think he's a good um, route runner and a, a pretty slick athlete in that aspect. So I am way more in on Addison than I was, I think, coming into the season. So Emeka Buka and Jordan Addison, two guys that I'm probably willing to play like a upper level premium for at the, and they're probably both top, what, eight, 10 receivers in C2C leagues. Yeah, easily. I went to bottom of the barrel here for for my wide receivers. One of them, I admit, is going to be either just a wonderful hit or a horrible miss. I'm still going out and buying DJ Allen. I, I think that he can still be the guy here at TCU, and I think you can get him extremely cheap right now because he's literally not played a snap right now at TCU. TCU has not looked good. I think Quentin Johnson will be gone. There was all this hype and love for Jordan Hudson. He hasn't really done much. I still believe DJ Allen is the better wide receiver overall. Go get him now. I think he has a big year next year. Obviously, we're very worried about the year one zero. You know, Mox and Austin's big thing. We don't want him to hit that. Let's hope that at some point in time later this year, he gets past that part. But if he doesn't, I'm still willing to buy him. This other guy, I guarantee you, as soon as I say this name, Felix is going to be like, you're making up players. Moxley probably knows who this is. Ashton Hawkins from Texas State. He has been really good this what? year. 5'10", 170. Now, I don't know what? that he has any NFL future. I will give you that right now. But... This is Second, why we get accused by Mike Valerie of being college football debate. College football well, you know, discussions. We, we Good call. Always, I like it. Good call. We can't always talk about JSN and Kayshawn Butte. We got to mix it up a little bit. So he has been phenomenal this year. He's a top 14 scorer on the CFF side of, of fantasy right now. He's getting targeted a ton. 14 targets week one, seven uh, in week two, and then 14 again against Baylor. With a touchdown, 114 yards, as an eight dot of what was it, almost nine yards? Like he's getting targeted down the field. He's producing for Texas State. I think they're going to use him as their number one. And he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people have rostered. So you may not even actually have to trade for him. You could probably just pick him up off your waiver wire. But even if they do have him rostered, I think he's a guy that you could pay very little for. And he's going to help you for probably the next three years on your CFF side. Maybe doesn't have an NFL future but I like winning my college side. He's, again, top scorer right now. So Ashton Hawkins, Texas State. I believe he has 39 targets through three games, too. Like, this dude's getting peppered. Yeah, yeah. We are talking buys and sells here in your Debbie or Campus to Kent leagues, even though that that name Matthew just gave is definitely a C2C name. Um, Here we are at running back and wide receiver. Oh, I don't – so Mox was – Give me yours again, Mox. For all the positions or just wide receiver? Just run through them real quick. As a quick Raheem, I'm buying Raheem Sanders, Katron Allen, Emeka Egbuka, and Jordan Addison at cost. See, Mox and is I, doing a great job at the Devi side there. So we got you covered. I, I've got Quinchon Judkins uh, from 
Ole Miss, Cartavius Norton from Iowa State, Josh Downs from North Carolina, and JoJo Earl, the wide receiver, slot wide receiver from Alabama. Run and then mine real quick. were yeah. Quishon Judkins of Ole Miss, Ray Davis of Vanderbilt running back, wide receivers DJ Allen of TCU, and Ashton Hawkins of Texas State. Usually it's me doing the uh, the real deep dive, and we got Matt doing Ashton Hawkins. I, like, I actually really like that call. I think you should add him in leagues that haven't processed waivers yet. That's a really good one. We've got one more position I forgot before we go to sales. Quarterback, just really quick. J.J. McCarthy looks like he might add a different element, and I'm not talking about his running game, but the ability to throw the ball downfield and threaten defenses vertically. Um, we see that we saw them line up uh, Donovan Edwards out at wide receiver and run a deep route. I mean, that's the kind of creativity we want to see from Michigan's offense that we haven't been able to see, and we know that he's got the running ability. So if J.J. McCarthy can make that offense look different his draft stock is going to be way up. We don't know that that's going to be the case yet. We haven't seen nearly enough from him, but he's a five. I mean, he was a five-star quarterback, went to IMG, all that stuff. Highly touted dude. He's got the ability. He's got to put it all together and and get the reps. Very much like Anthony Richardson. We haven't seen enough from him yet to draw any conclusions, but his stock could be on the rise because he's the starter and he's going to be getting those reps now. The other one is Daquan Finn. I was extremely impressed with Duquan Finn Toledo, with how he looked against uh, uh, Ohio State team where he was completely overmatched. Well, the team was completely overmatched, but he had some of those defensive linemen looking absolutely silly on some plays against Ohio State with all those four- and five-star Ed Rushers coming after him. He had some really um, good-looking plays. I think that he has two or three years left of eligibility. He was like a 20 – he feels like he was like a – Three years, Box is saying potentially three. I think I, I think it's three, but I, I don't remember exactly. But when at least two starts, and somebody to cheer for, Daquan Finn Toledo is somebody that I think could put up a lot of points, both on the ground and through the air. And he's a fun player to watch. He's just a fun player to watch. So at quarterback, give me JJ McCarthy and Daquan Finn. I bet you Finn ends up on a power five team next year as a quarterback. He's also a uh, fourth year sophomore. So just to give you fourth year sophomore. So probably two years of eligibility after this, given he's a COVID guy. Yeah. All right. So two years after this. Gotcha. All right. I apparently am the Debbie guy now after being the one who touts the bottom of the barrel G5 teams. I'm buying Drake May and I'm buying Drake May at a premium the same way I was buying a mechanic Buka at a premium. Drake May is legit. Like, I was a fan of his coming into school. I thought that he had it. And he's shown the athleticism that we saw when he was in school. In high school, uh, he scored like 13 touchdowns, I think, his senior year. Like, this dude was an athletic guy. And he comes from a family of legit athletes. It, I mean, he, his family has been basketball players. His dad was a quarterback at North Carolina as well. Like, like this is a guy who's really athletic and has the pedigree to back it up. He looks really, really good. And I, I, I'm i really excited to see him against um, Notre Dame this weekend because I think this is a really big test for him. But I think he's legit. Like, he's placing balls that... Like, I like Sam Howell, too. So I'm not going to, like, knock him. But he's placing balls Sam Howell was in his, like, his last year. And Drake May is in his, like, third start. So... 
I'm really excited what I've seen from Drake May, and I I think he's legit, and, and I think he has, I think he has a case to be QB two in the 2024 class. But so I I actually didn't include Drake May because I just thought that um you can't buy him. I don't think that you can buy him <laughs> right now. Like I felt oh, like what would you? Oh, have- I have I have a lot of Drake May, and I am yeah. certainly not selling any of my Drake my Drake May currently. Yeah. Like I think you would have to give up in a C two C league. You might have to give up. You know, like if you said if you if you told somebody I'll give you Jameis Winston, that's gonna fly. For, for for Drake May. Um, I'd personally be insulted if someone yeah. offered me that trade. Yeah, you you would need to give up a real asset to get to get Drake yeah. May. I mean, he's, he's, he's still he's, he's still got two years of eligibility in well, he's got multiple years of eligibility, but he's got at least this year and likely next year, assuming he de- like even if he declares at the end of his junior year of high end what I think is high end production given the ACC defenses. So yeah, I'm buying Drake May if I even can. So I'm I'm the I'm the power five guy now, apparently. Um the other guy I want is Drew Aller. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I would be saying this because I was really yeah. negative about him coming into the year. I thought he looked awful when we saw him in the Under Armour Classic. I thought he was awful when we saw him in the Penn State spring game. Yeah. Those are a different quarterback. Like I have I have no idea how this happened. I have no idea what the coaching staff did between like then and now, but when I have seen him come in for Sean Clifford, this dude is looks legit. And I, I know it's been small spurts and I'm sure it's really simple plays and they're not really scheming anything that is super complicated for him, but he looks good like straight up. And he has the athleticism that is game breaking from a fantasy perspective. So I, I I'm back in on drew Aller and I was not, sold on him coming into the year. I was very just, skeptical. I did not name I didn't name him in these tweets so you can't find them. They were just um video clips from his college film. But if you want to see I'll just repost them. If you want to see some um anticipation throws where you don't like the wide receiver's not looking. He's throwing to a space where like why is he throwing there? You can find them on Drew, on Drew Aller's tape. There are some ridiculous ridiculous tight window anticipation throws for a high schooler that I, I sent to Mark Schofield and he was like, I was like, Mark, am I to be excited about these types of throws? And he was like, yeah, you should be. So I'm right there with it's That might be a reason for us to rely on our early evaluations on players and sticking to them because we were all high on Aller and then he didn't look right in that under armor game. And then as a, uh, uh, in the spring game, but he's looked right in real action. So, Never wavered. Never wavered. If you want to find him, you can actually just search Drew Aller for my tweets because I'm pretty sure I retweeted that one. Uh, The one Felix is talking about where he literally, there's a linebacker right in front of him. And he also, I believe, sidearms it and uh, in the anticipation throw. And it goes right around the linebacker, right into the wide receiver, straight in route, not even looking for the ball. It's a beautiful throw. Um, He's a a freak. Like, yeah, his his comp is Josh Allen. And like, yeah, and it's, it's well deserved, but it's not that like this play style is really, really similar. So I had a mixture of him, uh, Drew Aller and Sam Horn. Um, Eli Drinkowitz usually has a very good offense. Brady Cook ain't it. And I'm pretty sure Jack Abram isn't either. 
Sam Horn needs some time to develop. I guarantee with as bad as that offense has looked at times this year, we'll see Sam Horn by the end of this season. He's the guy that I would buy now. Having Luther Burden, Eli Drinkowicz as his head coach, I think Sam Horn, with just the talents he has, I don't know he's an NFL quarterback, but the talents he has, I think he could be a very productive college quarterback. The other one, I have to do it. May have some inside information. Y'all just have to take my word for it. Go buy Kyle McCord now, and you won't regret it later. Let's go to the cells. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So not not Devin Brown. Um. Okay. I told that's, you I had a phone call last week. I never told you what the phone call was about. I didn't tell you the that's information. That's a terrible – that was pertaining to me or was, was given we're giving to me. terrible advice. Is he going to win the Heisman this year? Do you think next he's going to win the probably. Heisman? No, nah, Quinn's going to win it next year, unfortunately. Quinn's too uh, good. Michael, Michael asks, where does Quinshawn Judkins rank for us amongst freshman running backs? And it looks like he is one, two, three, four. He is sixth. Sixth amongst freshmen. He's right below Jamarion Miller and above Andrew Paul and George Petaway. So sixth for us. RB3 so I gotta, for me, Nelly. I have him behind just Jadon Blue, or Nicholas Singleton, Jadon Blue, and then Quinshawn Jedkins is my RB3. So this is going to be an easy question then. And there's no world in which you would have Jaden out of him. Currently. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I think it's interesting because I think that, uh, and it might have been Nelly who brought it up. I, I don't remember. So I don't. Um, you know, I, I don't remember who said it exactly, but he's out of conference play is very similar to a certain Auburn running back who we don't think of as highly this year. Named Jarquez Hunter. I it's really interesting to see what they've done out of conference and trying to ascribe that to what Judkins has done. I, I have a really tough time evaluating what Judkins has done. Because it reminds me so much of Hunter. But I know, Matt, you have been always been a big fan, so maybe I'm just a hater. And that's the answer to the question. <laughs> I just don't I just don't think Hunter has the explosiveness and the speed that, that Judkins he does or the or the size. Like I think that's the biggest thing. He, Judkins is just better at everything than Hunter. May not be a bad comp. I don't know. I, I need to see more like situationally. My, my, situationally is what the comp yeah, comp is because I mean, they're not comparable players. Judkins is, I think, a much better player. My, my thing with Judkins is he's doing this already. He's already looking as good as he is with limited snaps and as the two. And and let's be honest, a bad offense. Like we were supposed to talk about players we were right and wrong about. I was going to fully take the L on being wrong about the Caleb Williams Jackson Dart debate. Because boy, was that oh. a big L for me. We couldn't have done in, that. We couldn't have done that. Come in here, hat oh. hand. Woo, boys! I messed that one up. It has been bad at Ole Miss, but you know who hasn't been? Him and Zach Evans. They've both been extremely impressive. And again, once I think he gets that backfield to himself, he is going to be phenomenal. I would not go that far. I, I wish I could not see. Have division. There's Jeff never has, a defender but. around Zach Evans. He's all gliding through these defenses. Like, where are the defense? Um, all right. He's we were really, going to really do. Good. He's really good. Zach he's Evans, the I think, RB3 is the, for, he's RB2, I think, in the, this next class. RB2. But you guys are trying to dis- disrespect Jameer Gibbs. It, it, he it doesn't have debate. the size. I do. I feel weird about I, I don't. Neither Zach Evans, Gibbs. I think, is the best rusher in this class. He's better than Bijan as a pure runner. I'm not, I will not clip that and put it on Twitter. Okay. Go um, ahead. I don't, I don't we, think it's that inflammatory we, to say. 
Listen, we <laughs> were going fun, to right? we were going to discuss sales on this show, but if we did, it would be like ninety minutes, and I'm tired of going to bed. Um, we will discuss that next, and we will also discuss takes that we were right and wrong about. So I'm not going to be doing a lot of talking on uh, takes as far as being wrong, but I'm sure Matt and if we get and Chris and if we get Austin in here, Austin's they'll probably carry. Never lost. They will carry that segment. All right, you all. Uh, apologies to Kirk Curry Street. You ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Rippel caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.